Today's episode is brought to you by the Sounds in Cinema podcast. Mike and Tom are washing their mouths out with soap because the Everything Sequel podcast contains explicit language. Hello and welcome to the Everything Sequel Podcast. This is the Austin Powers Edition. My name is Michael Schantz. I'm from the How Dare You Awards. Joining me, your friend and mine, Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions. Hello, Tom. It's how we do it in Belgium. It's called the Belgian Dip. (laughs) Best line in The Spy Who Shagged Me. There is... There are so many lines for you to choose from. I know, and I went, yes. I went with that one. It's, it's because it's one I can recall from memory, uh-huh. uh, and I suspect it was an improvised aside. And I suspect the reason it's the best line in the movie is because it was an improvised aside and not part of this Hollywood sequel machine that made the movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I am I'm I'm fascinated. So, well, here. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> we are talking about the Austin Powers series. Today, of course, we have to rank these sequels and declare them good or bad. I'm fascinated to know what you think, Tom. <laughs> I bet you are. <laughs> I mean, and, and 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 tell tell the listeners why that might be. We are in your milieu. <laughs> Do you think? <laughs> you have free reign to talk about james bond as much as you want i i I don't uh, yeah i'm i'm surprised you even noticed that that i that i i i talk about the james bond movie so much i thought i'd been been uh, nuanced in how i placed my references (laughs) is that what you thought you thought you were (laughs) casually referring to them once in a while it's not like we have a we have a drinking game based around it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah well i mean that's something that creates a real internal battle for me when i have to rank and declare these movies because i have such professional and personal attachment to uh to to these movies to mike myers to the film history that that these movies are embedded in Sure. And I have to weigh that against, you know, objective criteria for for um, making judgments about comedy movies, which is really about the success and failure of of the humor. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's what it should always boil down to, um, and you know, how successful is it? But also, you know, how much do the do the failures? Uh, compromise the movie as a as a single entity and i feel like that's right. particularly relevant with these movies where you know when when a joke misfires it goes off like a nail bomb <laughs> it literally like ow i got a nail in my ass yeah yeah i mean yeah we've got like it's it's you know it offend it, it it it's politically offensive. It's painfully unfunny. It's 
just you know so unspeakably evil you have to put your hands over your eyes so well and not just that because <laughs> as usual tom i went back and watched the first me one me too this this time really yeah i wanted to and the first one is like to me is just so perfectly entrenched in what it's parodying hmm and it has some of the same silly jokes. Yeah. But they don't even find their way into the movie until the very end. Yes. Um, huh, it's interesting. And I just, I think that, you know, I guess one of my first questions for you was, uh, do either of these sequels measure up to the head of the snake that we are going to have to cut off? But, um, well, I was going to, I was going to say that, that despite that internal struggle I've had, I think I've been able to rank and declare in a way that speaks to to everything. Like that mm-hmm. actually kind of reconciles, you know, the 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 disparate ways in which I'm being pulled. Okay. So without, you know, I don't I'm not not giving anything away, but but um I feel I feel comfortable in voicing my my admiration where I where I think it's appropriate. All right, but I'm fine. I'm certainly not going to let either of these movies off the hook. Yeah, I kind of had a similar experience, and I had not watched any of these movies in a while. You want to know something that will I think surprise you? Okay, go I've ahead. I've never seen Goldmember until I watched it no for this podcast. No kidding. Yeah. Oh, now that's very interesting to me to watch that movie with only twenty twenty one eyes. <laughs> it's it's. I mean, this this uh, these movies are so autobiographical for me. Mm-hmm. Like you could trace you could trace my life through these movies almost. Well, through Mike Myers movies in general, I think. Okay. It's 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 no understatement to say I grew up with Mike Myers because I don't know if you know this, but one of his very early gigs was on British Saturday morning kids television. He was in a double he was on a show called The Wide Awake Club, which I used to watch as a kid. Wow. And um in a double act with Neil Malarkey, who cameos in Two of the Austin Powers movies. He's the Swedish penis pump man and the uh, the Navy doctor, right, um, okay. the submarine doctor in the in Goldmember. Uh, so you know, my first experience of Mike Myers is at a very very early age, and then you know I was at just the right age, not for Wayne's World, but Wayne's World Two, which I saw twice in the movie theaters. Mm-hmm. So I married an axe murderer is my mother's favorite movie. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so I've seen that movie more times than any other human being. Um, and, you know, and the Austin Powers movies, <laughs> the first two Austin Powers movies I saw on uh, respective vacations to New York in the summer. Okay. All right. So what's kind of interesting when it comes to this particularly the spy who shagged me is that i first saw that movie with the kind of gloss of seeing of being a british person on vacation in new york in the summer seeing a movie in times square right okay 
And it's only when I got back to Britain, saw it again with my with my friend with a friend group in a shitty upstairs movie theater <laughs> at the Manchester Evening News Arena. If you know, you know. Um, <laughs> that I realized that it it perhaps wasn't the masterpiece that I originally. <laughs> Like I got a set, like you immediately get the sense of like, oh no, this 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 movie is not what I thought it was. Well, I have kind of similar feelings in that I I remember the first time seeing the Spy Who Shagged Me. Mm. It was one of those. Um, I I don't know, like I it, it was autobiographical for me too, in the sense of remembering. Back then, 1999, mm-hmm. though, I mean, the first one comes out in 97 right. and then 99. And just sort of thinking about how Austin Powers had, like, taken over our consciousness. Everybody was, yeah. you know, it's like the Borat voice. Very much so. Where the whole country becomes fascinated by this one character mm-hmm. and the whole country's quoting this character. Yes. For, like, a solid year. Yeah. And so, so much so they're this... making jokes about it on Frasier. Right. <laughs> Which, hard to believe, but that was the barometer for, you know, you've made it into the mainstream in 1980, yeah, that's 90, insane, late in the right? late 90s. <laughs> but it's just, it's just funny to me, sort of the shelf life of any movie anymore. Yeah. Because it's... No matter no matter how important it was to us at the time, I think it's really hard to be a Star Wars, something that sticks with us that is still with us, mm-hmm. you know? I think I think nowadays most movies are so important to us for that short period of time and twenty years later, like nobody cares. <laughs> yeah, but I mean it it's so it's somewhere in between Star Wars and Avatar. I think in terms of like some, you know, like one or two things have residually kind of trickled into the mainstream, like the concept of a mini me still Mm -hmm. exists. You know, when you see like a short person who's similar to a big person, it's instantly like mini me or if it's or or just a chat, you the child of a person that looks like you people will still refer to a mini-me, and that didn't exist As before. A mini-me. Sure, before, sure. before not even Austin Powers, before The Spy Who Shagged Me. Um, yeah. But but you're right. I mean, it, it's really interesting to look at these movies and, you know, that they're, they're playing craps with pop culture in terms of, like... Yes, I, yeah, that's a note for me, In too. terms of, like, what will last and what hasn't. And, and about 50% of the time, they're right on the money. Like... Yeah. And then, you know, then... Jared and <laughs> and Kevin Spacey right. and you right. know you you bet on the wrong horse but um you definitely but I, yeah you def you definitely put your money on the wrong number there and I you know I just 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 but, to bring things right up to date within the last couple of days of this recording a billionaire evil genius has sent a right. rocket that looks like a penis into space into the outer space. Right. And, you know, uh, f- social media is covered with memes and GIFs of Jeff Bezos and his dick rocket against Dr. Evil's cock and balls um, spaceship. <laughs> and it's... it's uh, it... That does make these movies, you know, fairly prescient. 
prescient and and occasionally prophetic but uh, but i think you're right in terms of um in terms of shelf like it it's uh, i'll 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 reaffirm it's somewhere between you know the timelessness of a star wars or or a star trek and a and a um and you know the last airbender you know these, and, and by that, of course, but I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of Avatar. Like I can think of no other movie that has made that's the best example that has made that's so much money, example. but has had absolutely zero impact on how we live our lives. Right. <laughs> that I mean, that's the perfect example in the sense of you look back on that movie and you can't figure out why that made a billion dollars. Yeah. In the U.S., well, and you and you go to you go to the the technology that it was pioneering, but then you think of something like, uh, and this be relevant for our purposes coming up. Um, you think of of like Halloween and the Steadicam. It's like, yeah, but it wasn't just the Steadicam. That's not just the reason why Halloween survives. It's no, the Steadicam. Yeah. But it seems as if the only reason anyone would ever dream of mentioning Avatar would be because of the of the camera it used, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? <laughs> Anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, we should probably get on with it. Yeah. What do you want to do for I got like I I think maybe we should just rank them very quickly first. Yeah. I mean, which of these two movies do you like the best? Uh Goldmember. Oh, wow. By by quite a distance actually. I like The Spy Who Shagged Me. Oh. This is gonna be this is gonna be interesting. Yeah, I can't believe I'm gonna be fighting you over Bond parody. <laughs> I know, <laughs> but I mean, any movie that chooses to go to Moonraker, I'm on board for. I would argue it doesn't just go. It doesn't go to Moonraker. That for the last twenty minutes, it is Moonraker. <laughs> it is. <laughs> exactly. There, there is actually there is one there is one shot that I mean I haven't you know I haven't been able to break it down in these terms quite. But there is one shot in the Spy Who Shagged Me, which I swear is an exact replica of one from Moonraker. It's a sequence of shots and mm-hmm. and. Just, just to let the viewers know, like why I might know that, um, <laughs> you know, a couple of years ago I did a, a live commentary on Moonraker um, for a, a local group here called the the Film Geeks, um, and I, and in preparation I must have watched that movie five or six times. So wow. The fact that it triggered, it literally like triggered. It triggered you. The fact that it triggered, there was something about the way it was. And I think, and just the fact that, you know, because of what I know about Mike Myers and his deep, deep appreciation for, um, for Bond movies and for film history in general, I think it's very possible. Wow. So you you're going Spy Who Shagged Me Gold Member. I am. Yeah. I'm going Gold Member Spy Who Shagged Me. Oh uh, yeah, and, and, and I'm seeing is, I'm is seeing like... Gold Member through fresh eyes. So maybe maybe that's playing more of a role than I I anticipated it would. See, I thought that that would give you bigger problems with that movie. <laughs> well, I'll save it, but actually no. 
<laughs> I think okay. I think uh, dis- despite despite movie that's bookended by both Kevin Spacey and Jared from Subway, um, <laughs> it's actually it's for me a less problematic movie than the Spy Who Shagged Me. Wow. <laughs> Which again, which again the... returns to that sort of operational theory that that it, the late nine the the late nineties is the real is is like you know the the reconstruction era in American cinema of <laughs> like well, like like the area where the Klan are the, like at the height of their popularity in American history yeah. is has its equivalent in the late nineties. I just I think I what you know when I think about the spy who shagged me. Actually, when I think about all these movies, they were movies at a certain time in a certain place. Certainly, they represent uh, what we, where we were at culturally, in terms of what we thought was okay to make fun of. I think it's even pushing it a little for that. It's my feeling about uh-huh. about both these movies, but particularly the Spy Who Shagged Me. I mean. I remember being uncomfortable at the time with a yeah, lot of a lot of what was happening what I, on that screen. That was my next point was that the sp- okay, let, let me put it this way. The I have more problems with the spy who shagged me in terms of what we're talking about right yeah. now. Okay, good. You're you're a human being. Good. But I have more problems with story and structure and shit like that in Goldmember. I find Goldmember just less. Huh. Yeah, I I have I have this I have the same reaction to Goldmember. I like Goldmember. I saw once in the movie theater, and I'm not sure I've seen it since. I thought, okay, made me laugh. Well, that's the other order. But I yeah. I wasn't compelled to watch it again. That's the other autobiographical element for me. That the missing piece of the puzzle. Why I didn't see Goldmember. I was just going to ask you because, th- like, it seems so. Like, it seems like the first two movies were so important in yes. your life. I'm surprised it didn't. <laughs> what get happened to the theater? What happened so, is, wh- is you know, I became a great big snob about movies for a while, and I think I just, okay. I just think I thought it was beneath me by that point. And maybe, maybe gotcha. what we we talked about before the kind of pop culture overkill, um, right set in a certain amount of fatigue where I thought, well, this, this, this is not, you know, this is not going to turn out well. Um, and, uh, so, you know, I mean, you know, if I wasn't cleansed of all that after doing this podcast for a year, I certainly am now cleansed of that, of that high mindedness (laughs) about cinema. You, you have to be. (laughs) Um, you know, I I I I'm able. I think maybe part of it too was by the time I got to three, I just thought, okay, I think I'm done with Austin Powers. Yeah, and I would have felt the same. That's the thing. I think I definitely would have felt the same at the time. Okay. But seeing it now, I I suppose. I think maybe is part of it like a love of Michael Caine as well, just having his presence at well, all. Well, obviously that auth- that level of authenticity is hard to. I mean, you know. To get, <laughs> to get the parody fed back through the basis for the parody is pretty amazing mm-hmm. feat, right? <laughs> okay. Like when you when you hear Michael Caine saying Austin Powers patter, knowing that he was right. the inspiration behind it. 
<laughs> okay, I knew it. I knew it. All right. Um, well, now here's the big and, question. And not crying about Batman. <laughs> well, it all helps. <laughs> oh, man. Alfred Tears. <laughs> Don't like them Alfred Tears. Stiff Nature up a lip like Michael Goff. Right? <laughs> there's no cry- there's no crying in Alfred. <laughs> anyway. That's so good. <laughs> uh I guess the main question now is Yeah. Are these good movies? It's a really difficult question. Uh I want you to go first now. <laughs> <laughs> I really wasn't I like I, I really was I really was not suspicious that there would be this kind of difference between us so I want to know what you think I've tr- I've treated <sighs> your opinion as a foregone conclusion possibly for the last time <laughs> <laughs> So carry on Well what where was your mind before I was about I don't to know speak? I just I I the idea that, and and good for you because that's what this podcast is all about. But the idea, I'd I'd come to terms with the fact, and then well, this gives away, this gives away one of my um one of my judgments, but that's fine. Uh, that's what we're here to do. Um, just the I'd come to terms with the fact that the Spy Who Loved Me is not not a good sequel, and not a good movie. You mean the Spy Who Shagged Me? Did I say the Spy Who Loved Me? You sure did. Well, the, well, that's also true. The Spy Who Loved Me is not. A, it's a great. It's a great Bond franchise entry, but it's not a good sequel. Um, All right. Uh, <laughs> they do mention his dead wife, though, so maybe I'm wrong about that too. Uh, <laughs> so I come to terms with that, and now you, <laughs> now you're, uh, uh, you're, you're, you're planting these seeds of doubt in my head. <laughs> I, and, 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 and I I was I but... was think well I I will you know and and uh, but I I will be I will be on this podcast trying to convince you that that I think Goldmember is a good movie, <laughs> but the, the spy right, so but the, the spy who shagged me is it doesn't doesn't come up to the mark, despite what I <laughs> despite what I like about it, which is plenty. Yeah, and. I, 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 it's been a gut check <laughs> for me. Um, but at the Remember end of the day, there is a fisting silhouette gag in The Spy Who Shagged Me. Okay? Just, just, just remember that. We should all remember that. That lasts two scenes. That's all I'm going to say. There's also a fucking dick arm. In Goldmember. <laughs> silhouette scene. Touche, my friend. Touche. <laughs> <laughs> but you want to know something? What? Both of them do make me laugh. Yeah. They just do. Okay. There's plenty of jokes that don't make me laugh. Yes. In both of these movies. Agreed. But I think both of these movies are like barely funny enough to call them both good movies. This is not how I thought today was going to turn out. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm very happy it did. 
But that is my official declaration. Oh, I think they're both good fantastic. movies. Fantastic. Well, I don't think... <laughs> Was anyone tuning into this episode expecting that you would be giving the benefit of the doubt to, <laughs> to one more Bond parody based movie than I was. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, that is strange. It is it? a it's a little strange, but what what I'm so I, I'm unsettled. I am unsettled right now. <laughs> I'm so excited. I mean, you know, I it's it's good. What's What's really nice about that is that is that I I trust what you have to say about comedy, mm-hmm. uh, not not just that, but as I do for you, right? So I uh, be well, and I also so I'm really interested for you. I mean, you <laughs> feel no obligation to put up a defense of what you find funny because that's just what you find funny. But uh, I just you know I I think my biggest. Yeah, in the in the end with the with the spy who shagged me, it was really just like it doesn't it doesn't come up to the line of 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 uh, a good comedy movie for me. Uh, despite the fact that there's so much I admire about it, um, mm-hmm. as parody and pastiche and as a, a um, as a sequel, all those things. But I was just it just I was just like no, I can't, I can't. Um, I really that really would be me just indulging a bias. Yeah, but I didn't I feel, feel that at all way. about Goldmember. I was like, okay, object put put out the objective criteria in it, and it, you know, barely but gets there. I feel the same way about that yeah. movie, but I I still have um. I really do have filmmaking reservations about that movie. I have notes like, where the fuck is Goldmember? Like, we haven't seen him in a long time. And then maybe four minutes later, he just pops up. Hello! And I'm like, fine, thank you. <laughs> you know? I, I, know, I, know exactly, so, I know exactly what you mean. Um, I suppose... Well, overall, overall, one of the things that really swayed me, and this this actually includes the the original movie too, and one of the reasons why the Spy Who Shagged Me alienates me more, is that you know it shouldn't matter. It, it's not the be all and end all for a, a a comedy spoof, but the first and the third movie in this series have some kind of dramatic interest and emotional conflict at the center of them. In the original movie it's like Austin Powers coming to terms with the modern right. world. In the in Goldmember it's father son tension. You're right about that. Yes. And I couldn't The second movie reverts more to a story for Doctor Evil. Which I kind of enjoy. Well, no, but I couldn't. Oh, well, that, that's see, that's an interesting perspective. But in terms of the Austin Powers storyline, yeah, I felt like they hadn't really, re- they hadn't really, they t- very much tacked whatever conflict there was was tacked on and didn't feel organic. Which is a weird thing to say about an Austin Powers movie, because <laughs> right. you would not only would you <laughs> assume that that's the case for all of them, it's perfectly within the the parody 
oh, perfectly within what they're parodying for that to be something that is actually intentional. Right. But given that the other two movies have the added bonus have of it. you can yeah, I can't I can't disagree with any of that. You can sort of. <laughs> you can tune into them emotionally in a way I just can't with the the spy who shagged me. Um, See the 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 father stuff in Goldmember rings a little hollow for me though. Well, yes, <laughs> I can't disagree. I can't disagree with that. But but I guess on a on a storytelling level, I appreciated the the return to. Um, to you know, let's make this movie about something other than, let's say, erectile dysfunction, which is what the second movie's about. <laughs> you know, something that is a bit more uni, a bit more universal, family, sure. Uh, you know, the fish out of water scenario. Um, I just thought it had better. Better bone. The 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 first and the third movie had better bones, although. I was kind of having gone back to the original, and again, there's no reason why we have to talk about this, but I was I was somewhat disappointed. I had invested too much in that element of the original. I was actually a bit let down about how little it figures. Um, the what his coming? Yeah, to, yeah. His being unfrozen in the future. I was kind of oh, I found <laughs> as I was. It was a bit of a damp squib, really, going back to. Um, Going back to the original. Well, now what are you referring to? Like, like just the jokes about like the Reeboks and that kind no, of shit. No, I just think I, or, th- I feel because the the core of it is his his mindset, and that still works for me. It's just I suppose I suppose it is having seen it too many times and it just not having the same impact, unsurprisingly, that it had in Times Square in 1997 mm-hmm. when I'm on vacation and. I've literally well, and I've literally never seen a movie like Austin Powers in my life in yeah. my tiny life. Well, and here's the thing is like that movie has I want to say somewhere in the neighborhood of a 72 73% score on Rotten Tomatoes. These two movies are almost exactly the same. 52% for The Spy Who Shagged Me and 53% for Goldmember. Hmm. So it's like even for mainstream critics Yeah. They're neither one of them's at sixty percent. We're both. Well, I'm saying both is like right at sixty percent for me to say. Uh, ripe tomato, and you have that. <laughs> I assume for gold member. Yeah, and you're somewhere between fifty and fifty nine for spy who shagged that's, me. That's fa- that's fa. fairly accurate. Um... I like I like that we have like a statistics corner here on the yeah right? <laughs> everything. See, this is like Nate Silver is guest <laughs> yeah. hosting. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I th- I think, but I think that I think it's I think it's funny that that because the I mean these movies were huge successes, so so the audiences really liked them. It's really it's really interesting. But like I said, they they haven't lived in our minds since. It's not like you know. I mean, you made the point about the mini me, and so they've had some sort of lasting impact. But it's not like they're in our consciousness like well, other it's it, series. It's interesting because as the, like as they faded from cultural consciousness, we didn't stop referring to them. We just started referring to the fact that 
they were fading from cultural consciousness. So I, like, I can think of two instances in situation comedies where the joke is that someone is still doing the Austin Powers shtick a year <laughs> right. after it's popular. The, yeah. the, the UK office Christmas special where uh, Ricky Gervais's mm-hmm. David Brent turns up at a, at a, um, a club event dressed as Austin club, Powers. Right? Yeah. And then there's Martin, the, the late great John Mahoney in Frasier. Um, like he's seen Austin Powers after everyone else and he's kind of constantly talking as Austin Powers and <laughs> Frasier's <laughs> continually telling him, the Austin Powers craze was a year ago, Dad. <laughs> and he's like, oh, behave. <laughs> so it's interesting that like it, you, the 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 reference point is still there, but the meaning of it changes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I, I remember jokes like, I remember, you know, going to the Edinburgh Festival and whatever and stand-up comedians. Uh, I remember a joke from the comedian Scott Capura where he said, you know, I'm not, I'm no fan of Al-Qaeda, but if they start targeting the guy who keeps greenlighting Austin Powers movies, I'm in. <laughs> so... It's interesting, and then it's interesting going yeah. back in in twenty twenty one post you know post wokeness, uh, and the difference that that makes. There's all you know. It's 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 how we feel about Mike Myers now post the Love Guru. Is mm-hmm. also a, is also a factor. Um, so there's there's lots of there's lots of especially for well, me. Well, there's plenty for us to talk yeah. about. Obviously, ladies and gentlemen, you know our thoughts. <laughs> we have ranked them. We have declared them. If you have a comment or a thought yourself, by all means, you let us know. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Or you can send us an email to everythingsequel at gmail.com. We will read your email on the air, so please contact us. Let us know what you think of Austin Powers. Would you like to rigidly defend the Austin Powers movies, or are you like us? Are you struggling with what you think is good in these movies? That's a good sign, by, by the means, way. Yeah, That's a good sign. Exactly. Don't don't think of it as weakness. No. You shouldn't be certain about these movies. You should, Exactly. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned. In the coming days, you're going to hear us talking about Austin Powers, the spy who shagged me. For Tom Stewart of Lonesome Whistle Productions, I am Michael Schantz of the How Dare You Awards. Say goodbye, Tom. There's two things I can't stand in this world. People who are intolerant of other cultures and the Dutch. Soon, everybody. Until next time. How did I know you'd bring up Michael King? If you like podcasts like I do, boy, do I have a treat for you. You need to stay on target. And check out the Sounds and Cinema podcast. Listen as your host, sound designer and music creator, Tony Parham, and co-host, musical performer and sound lover, Derek Hansen, D-Rock if you're nasty, 
and I am, discuss all things sound related to film, television, stage, and theatrical productions. They discuss environmental sounds, bioacoustics, dialogue, the nature of communication through sound, but as an added bonus, they drink beer and try to... Stay on target! Find them wherever you get your podcasts and listen to the pure mania of a man who can charitably be described as Doug the Dog from Up, and another man with a soothing and sultry voice trying to get that man to... Stay on target! That's the Sounds and Cinema Podcast. Tune in and listen to the sounds they are creating just for you.